Welcome, everyone, to the Our Strange Skies podcast. I'm your host, Rob Christofferson, and joining me again, the one and only Cole Harold. Cole, welcome back to the show, man. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you again for having me. It's always a blast. Yeah, man, it's always an honor to have you on because, you know, you go into depth on a lot of these cases. And and one case that uh, you've been researching a lot lately and uh have been digging up stuff that uh really hasn't been collected all in one place is is about the veggie man yeah the veggie man himself which um you know for a lot of people um a lot of people don't know the story of the veggie man because it's um unless you were reading like a a couple steiger books or if you had the ufo portion of uh time's life's mysteries of the unknown um, it's kind of an obscure case. So uh, first and foremost, how did this case come onto your radar? Because it's just, again, it's just so obscure. It's it's obscure in many ways. Um, so the first time I ever heard the case, I was probably in middle school, I want to say. Um, and during that time, uh, Rob Morphy uh, had the American Monsters website. Mm-hmm. And Vegetable Man was one of the cases that he covered on there. Um, I, so that was, and I immediately fell in love with the case. I fell in love with Rob's drawing of it. And there was just something about it that resonated with me. Um, a couple of years later, I had got the UFO time life book, either from the library or like a Christmas gift. I do not remember which came first because it was almost immediately one after the other type of a deal. And um, I had seen an image in it of what basically reading the description sounded like Veggie Man. But it, um, at the time, there was no image of Veggie Man really out there in the public so that we had an idea of what it actually looked like. Um, so that I, I immediately was drawn to, too, because it, it was just this goofy looking alien mm-hmm. or being that you have you just it's so cool looking um followed that a uh, couple years after that i ended up getting um alien meetings and uh having read that i realized okay there's a little bit more to the story um it, that his mother had an encounter and that he had some um, men in black stuff but that was about it um and then I just I've started doing some more research on actually another case, and I had uh, was going through Humcat, and I came across in a um, Humcat sixty seven another reference to Jennings Frederick in the same area that he originally encountered um, Veggie Man, and I'm like, and it, but it was a totally different instance, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, okay, so this guy's got more stuff going on. And it led to this um, article that I wrote, and it was basically just what I knew at the time. Um, I talked about it then a little bit on Tracing Owls, and then lo and behold, 
I started doing some more digging and I'm finding all this other stuff that um, he had actually released a cassette tape at one point with all of his encounters. And he was distributing that through UFO review. Um, and that also there was more info on his uh, men in black encounter in uh, secret terror. Um, after that, then um this was kind of the big godsend was Mothboy Mike was actually down at the Gray Barker archive. And he he knew that I was really into it and he had heard the episode. And he's like, dude, there's a whole Jennings Frederick file here. So he took pictures of everything in the file and he's like, here, go through it, see what you can make of it. And I went through it and it's correspondence after correspondence after correspondence and eyewitness sketches and articles that Jennings Frederick had written and um it was just literally I, I almost imagine this is how um Linda Godfrey felt when she got the werewolf file oh if yeah you, if you're familiar with that like yeah yeah that that was to me like I was like stoked to see all this and to, like go through things but then as I'm going through it I'm realizing one Jennings Frederick was a much bigger player in the UFO community than we thought two there was things about um, his encounters that were not included by Gray Barker when he put out the newsletter, little mm -hmm. variations of things. Um, and also that um, this he had signed affidavits, basically, or witness statements from other people to verify um, his sighting, his mother's sighting, and the men in black stuff that was going on to him. Mm -hmm. Um, and that also it was getting into like at, at times this weird Bob Lazar type, um, territory too, with some of his experiences. So, um, it just turned into this wild, crazy thing that I'm like, why is nobody talking about this? It is fantastic. And, and then I'm kind of like, well, <sighs> This his story needs to get out there because, like, clearly, you know, he's he's up there. He's he's rubbing elbows with Gray Barker and Jim Mosley and Albert Bender and sending his stuff with and trying communicating with Jerome Clark and um, John Keel. Uh, we we know that through through letters and correspondences um, through Gray Barker. So um, just this crazy stuff where he's like hitting all these big names and. Uh, doing this also UFO research on the side and nobody's talking about it. So um, that's, that's kind of my, how I got involved in the progression, so to speak. So, yeah, there's, there are a few interesting like UFO and, and abduction witnesses that like uh, for instance, Betty and Betty Hill herself, mm -hmm. Betty Hill did a lot of UFO investigations. She did, especially with, uh, I believe it was NICAP. Um, and uh, I think she later did some stuff with uh, MUFON. Uh, there was also uh, Kenneth Arnold. Kenneth Arnold's kind of the first UFO investigator, if you really think about it, because mm -hmm. he, he just like dove right in. So, you know, it's interesting to see Jennings Frederick uh, really, you know, dive into this stuff and like um, 
there's a there's a bit of irony that that we that we're going to point out at the end of this regarding his uh, uh, obituary page because uh, he he is no longer with us. But there is mm. there is a bit of irony that we'll dive into mm. at the end of this thing. But um, so wh- where do we begin with the story of, of Jennings Frederick and uh, the encounters, the, the, the strange encounters him and his mom and, and such had? Okay, so the I guess the beginning, the best place to start would literally be there. Um, it was April 23rd, 1965 in um, their home on Royal Route number two in Rivesville. Um, basically, it was Jennings was in high school at the time. Uh, he had left for the day. His father was a coal miner, so he had also gone to work. Um, his mother was at home, you know, uh, all the children were gone. So, you know, she's cleaning up breakfast at the, at the sink and she's looking out the window. And as she's looking out, she sees like what she thinks is a small child playing out in a nearby hill. Um, as she's looking, she's very concerned because the area does have uh, electric fences. So she doesn't want this kid to get hurt. So she goes out onto her front porch and as she does so, she then realizes this is not a child. Um, she sees basically what she describes as a black or very dark green figure hopping around on this grassy knoll with a bag in its hand, collecting grass. And connected to this um, to this figure is like a long almost umbilical cord like device or, 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 you know, breathing type cord. And if, and as she followed that, it led its way to base to a UFO that was very close nearby. Um, it had an extended base that I vi- visually, it reminds me almost like a mushroom shape or like an elevator shaft type deal. Yep. Um, and that, as she's watching this creature hop around, basically collecting dirt, um, it sort of freaks her out and she doesn't know how to take it. Um, she, uh, there's a strong inclination that at first she thought it actually might be something demonic. And so, <laughs> uh, which is why, uh, um, when you're looking at this, at, at pictures of this, uh, encounter that, um, uh, Gene Duplantier, I believe that's his name, uh, did, yep. the, illustra- did the illustrations for it. Uh, it yep. literally looks like a silhouette of like a little black devil, um, mm-hmm. which um, is very much how it's often described in, in the works. Um, so what happens then is uh, it's a little bit fuzzy at this part because the letters kind of mix with how it's written, but either she sees the creature stop taking its soil samples and it go up basically the little elevator shaft where there's actually a ladder type device on the inside that it scampers up. Um, And then she heads inside where she heads inside before this creature does so. And as she's watching it through the window, um, it scampers back in. But um, she she apparently is so traumatized by this that she decides to jump back into bed, cover her head up, and stay there until <laughs> the, until she's sure that the craft is gone. Which this entire sighting took about fifteen to thirty minutes, depending. Again, again, it's it, 
how it's written and how the witness statement is is a little bit difficult to kind of figure out exactly is it like 50 is it a total 15 or 15 minutes here 15 minutes here? but regardless um she's terrified by this she hears the whooshing sound of this ufo then um take off and she knows that it's gone but she still stays in bed she literally stays in bed until jennings gets home and as soon as jennings gets home she she tells him about it now we do know uh, because she makes this very uh, clear, and he does, and Jennings does, like later on, that he was already into UFOs at this time. Very interested. Um, whether this is because of something that wasn't recounted beforehand, it's not known, or whether this is just an active interest um, that might actually also lead into his future career plans um, with something else. But he gets super excited about this and decides to actually go and investigate the area where this UFO was. And while he's there, he gets two main things. He finds a footprint of the Mm. creature, uh, which actually had hair connected to it um, at different, like the points in between and at the tips of the toes. Um, It was a three toed track, but it had a long, almost spiky heel to it. Um, and taking plaster of Paris, he actually made a cast of that. Um, and he also made a casting of the area where the craft shaft had landed, um, through plaster of Paris. Uh, afterwards, he ended up sending these plaster of Paris casts into the, uh, air force to get analyzed. And the response by the air force was not too kind. Basically, they said that it was either a weather balloon, the planet Venus, or her imagination um, of what she experienced. And that and that um, they never sent back the stuff, though. They never gave him back his track or his uh, cast. So after insulting her, they they refused to return the samples. Um, and while we don't ex- uh, he basically Jennings later would make like comments about this very you know yeah. uh like yeah you know but um that led into his first what i well at least what's his first documented ufo um investigation um but that was his that was the first brush at least of what's written of his family having some sort of UFO high strangeness moment. Um, his next one he wouldn't have until 1967, at least. Again, let's document it. Um, and this one gets a little into uh, the classic abduction territory. Um, I, what I find interesting is like uh, when when Gray Barker writes about him, he calls him a semi abductee, which yes. is interesting. Yes. <laughs> Well, there's a reason behind that, and um, there is a reason behind that, and it deals entirely with the cor- how the correspondences came out. Um, back when he was writing to Barker, because he'd been trying to get a hold of Barker since 75, late 75, um, he was reading Mothman Prophecies at the time and actually had wanted to get a hold of um, John Keel, but he couldn't. And so he was trying to get he actually was talking to Linda Scarberry at the time and actually had a plans to um, interview her. 
Um, and that over the, the the course of the time they were talking on the phone and um, he she basically had also mentioned having a men in black encounter in her bedroom. And the whole thing was, is that because of um, the the fact that him and Keel were allegedly friends, that he wanted to know more about Mothman. But in doing so, this exchange of information, he's like, it was sort of a listen, I'm going to I'll tell you my stuff. Um, and and present to you, you know, the cases that I've looked into, as well as my own experiences, which was Veggie Man. Um, mm. And, you know, but can you just please, you know, like, bring me all this, um, like this information about Mothman stuff. Um, and that's kind of how that went, because the original documentation that Gray got was entirely on Veggie Man, uh, a little bit of the Men in Black encounter and the... Um, the space devil sighting mm. um the zarkon stuff did not come out until after all that and even then um he was sending that to uh other ufo magazines and things like that which i'm still trying to track down <laughs> but um because allegedly it is in print somewhere because that's how the humcat got it but um the uh that is how the the semi abductee uh line comes about is um barker was viewing it more as like the non like here's an experience that could have been an abductee there was sort of this very similar type of events going on but just um on the ground and not in like a craft or not off the earth it's sort of boots on the ground yeah um uh, removal of said uh, said items but anyway yeah. so his his abduction did did occur actually well before all this it just was not um categorized or not categorized but um not documented um and also jennings would have um he would forget most of the experience until um the mid 70s it would then come back to him like some abductees um the basically what happened was is Jennings had just graduated high school in um it was late July, not late July, it was mid-July um 67. And basically he he woke up in the middle of the night in his pajamas, walking towards the uh the high school football field. Um and while <laughs> and while as as he's realizing what he's doing, um he sees a UFO come down and he basically gets this um, instructions from it, you know, like, oh, you know, we're seeking rest. Uh, we're not here to harm you. And he at the time only remembers seeing that and running away. We're going right back to his house. That didn't that's not exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. He would later recount that um that year the in the 70s when he would re remember all that occurred during this time that essentially he was picked up by this craft and led through this extremely bright luminous object uh the hallways were extremely bright the the um in class yet there was no noticeable light bulbs or anything like that classic ufo interior and he basically was guided around by what is referred to as the ship's captain, Zarkon. Um, so 
Zarkon was a 10-foot-tall entity with wrapped-around eyes, um, big pointed ears, uh, a big bald head, and robes that basically almost touched the ground, but you could see that he was clearly like floating in this uh, building, as well as having um, three to f- three fingered hands. Um, allegedly, this being said that we th- these entities are not flesh and blood as we know them, or not physical as we know them. And at one point during Jennings' encounter, because it's a very surreal experience for him, and there wasn't much, um, at least currently, that's out there that I've been able to find about the details of what actually happened in the ship. It was very brief overstrokes. Mm-hmm. Is that at one point when it's when he was explaining this, um, the head grew to like the size of a washing machine, and the body totally disappeared as it floated there. So crazy when you think about it. Just like, like the the details. Like again, when you a lot of the time when you when you have these cases and such, there's these absurd, just crazy absurd details that are just like, there's no way some dude could just make this up. This is no. it doesn't follow any form of logic. It's it's just so crazy, and this is one of those stories. <laughs> exactly i mean and you have the you also have the classic like uh the the universe where this alien supposedly came from they gave a name for that it was triangulus delphi um (laughs) you know like there is this is the one case that i i was trying to find more info on but again it's been super difficult because i feel like there's more and that there needs to be more or that there should be more but i did you know um but essentially uh after the the beings dropped him back off um clearly nothing was else at least was written about on this except for Mm -hmm. just that and that um I will say, though, one thing that that I did notice in a letter um, that Gray Barker received is that he did view Zarkon as um, malignant in some way. Uh, And I because in a later letter, he basically told Barker that he had another experience and that in this experience, he encountered entities similar to Zarkon. They were smaller, but very similar looking but that they were much more benevolent. So I don't know. That was it, though. That was it. It was literally just like a a sentence in a letter that's pretty much like, um, hey, how's your day? You know, I'm going to send you this. And he's like, oh, by the way, this happened. And then nothing, nothing ever since. (laughs) Um, A lot of his letters are like that, which is infuriating, but then fascinating. so uh but that was the the one of the big cases that really also um led into uh later on him getting his story out there he would often this is the one that he would send to outside of like gray and john keel and bender he would send um this next case that story but this one he'd send to like all the ones that of course like all the other ufo printing 
um, or news news uh, letters and newspapers and things like and magazines and that are so difficult to find now. But yeah. um, this next one is the one that if you're if anybody's familiar with Jennings Frederick, it's going to be it's this story. And that is, of course, Veggie Man, um, which is his third main and his third encounter pretty much with with the unknown um which is interesting but um in this one he had just um it was july of uh seven not 68 and um he was out wood woodchuck hunting with a with a bow and arrow of all things which Mm. makes me laugh because i'm like i do not know how successful you're going to be with that but um you gotta have skills. Gotta I have guess. skills with that thing. <laughs> I guess. So he's out on his uh, family property, you know, bow and arrow in hand, and uh, it's getting late in the day. He wasn't successful at all, and he's on his way back. And he stops by underneath a uh, red maple, um, which is something very specific, but uh, yeah. in, in in the thing. But he's underneath a red maple, and uh, suddenly. He's start. He hears like a voice, um, tr- talking to him, and it's telling him to, uh, be not afraid. Uh, we know of you all. I am a friend. I seek medical attention, and he he doesn't know where this is coming from. And it sounds weird. It sounds like a record on high speed. So this I this warbly sort of sound. It almost sounds like uh you know, because you hear this over time and time again from you know uh witnesses and stuff. It's almost like they have a playbook of phrases that they have to say to the humans in order to like, you know, maybe get them calm enough to interact with them. And it's always, you know, like, don't be afraid. We know what humans are. Don't no, don't be afraid. You know, it's like I want to know what the alien playbook for dealing with humans is like. Uh, I, I I need to see it because there's got to be one out there because they they just say the same stuff. And the, and the yeah. thing is, and when you get into what Veggie Man looks like, there's no way you're not freaked out by the sky. Oh like, yeah, at all. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um the the thing that the thing about that too is it's like. The, the medical assistance thing, obviously, we'll see where, the, for those that don't know the story, we'll see where that goes. But, yeah. um, you know, it's the it's the whole, that's an interesting twist, though, mm-hmm. compared to, like, everything else that you're, you're used to hearing in, like, these um, encounters with beings, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's the one that, that always gets to me. And it's, like, and kind of is, like, that's, a, that's a unique twist. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I always really enjoy that for you know, it it's something that, you know, if it was really not seriously in need of something, it wouldn't have said that. Um, yeah. So now now why it needs it, you know, or for what reason we can only guess. But um, Jennings is, is standing under this tree and he's actually starting to get super sweaty for what for some re- weird reason. That was another specific detail. So he goes and he gets a, a his pocket handkerchief um and goes down to like dot himself off when he notices that attached to his arm is this strange green basically object which it's soon revealed to be a hand 
And as he realizes, as he's looking at it, it's injected into his arm. And as he follows the hand up, he notices that it's attached to what he would later call the Veggie Man. Um, Veggie Man is a seven-foot-tall creature. It is green. It is slender in build. Its arms are the... uh, I love this detail. I love it. Its arms are as thick as a quarter. (laughs) So, (laughs) super noodle arms that end in three seven-inch fingers that are cupped with small, tiny suction cups to help in what Veggie Man is currently doing, seemingly. Mm -hmm. Which Jennings would soon realize. Um, The creature basically was injecting its fingers into his arm to suck his blood out. And he could actually feel his vessels popping as it was doing this. Um, Jennings was obviously in a lot of pain, and as he looked into the face of this creature, um, he noticed that the creature had a huge, big, bulbous nose, uh, a small, uh, well, not a small, but a wide grin, not like a maniacal grin where you're seeing teeth, but just a big, almost goofy, cartoon-looking smile, and basically what looks like hair almost like a super stressed out troll doll um (laughs) and the thing the thing about this this being when you see pictures of it like in all the sketches that were done including jeans uh Mm -hmm. for gray barker's newsletter it looks very cartoony it looks very cartoonish (laughs) oh yes it is it's something that you're either like going to be like really f- freaked out when you see it, or you're going to be like laughing hysterically. There's like no in between. One no. thing um, that's going on, as I will say too, uh, now that I think about it, is that um, Veggie Man noticeably was ill or had something wrong with it because uh, Jennings would re- write that basically, like during that time, it was breathing very erratically, very not quite normal as something that should be like almost wheezing. He would say without like the wheeze. Um, but he, but he also did not, you know, really know how this thing is supposed to be. So he wasn't sure about it, but yeah. he, he, he noticed also that the chest would like heave in and out type of a deal as it was doing this. There's a couple of the eyewitness sketches that that literally he, he has like these little notes attached, which are really fun to read and look at. And that was one of them. Um, but as he's looking at the face of this creature, he hears that same communication again, and it's entirely um, telepathic. And as it's doing this, he notices that the eyes are starting to spiral. The, they turn into these little orange specks in the center of them, and then the red and yellow spindles, almost as though like the blood is like pooling into the eyes as it's doing um, this extraction. And um, Jennings does, doesn't feel pain during this time. Um, this it's not exactly clear how long this is going on for, but once it's over the 
you know, the being pretty much just lets go and then just starts bounding away. And it is doing these incredible leaps um, that are clearing that at one point it cleared a fence and it was something along 25 feet, I believe, was how high its leaps were. So it's just spring heel jacking its way Mm. through the woods of West Virginia. But interestingly enough, this also gets into another difference from if you're reading the Gray Barker newsletter or Alien Meetings by Brad Steger is and this is something that in his signed statement, he actually felt inclined enough to put it in the red words Mm. (laughs) is um, that the being began to dematerialize. It did not um, disappear into the woods like which is kind of how you read it in a lot of these cases but in fact he could slowly see it as it's moving disappear like um he was sure that maybe the ufo that it came in might be around and that it might have been invisible or something along those lines because he still was adamant that this was like a ufo um experience um because he would later as hear a whistling sound which um Obviously, that's interesting to me because there's similar sounds heard in general um, in a lot of Great Barker encounters as well and stories. Like the Grafton monster supposedly whistled. Yep. So, um, and so during that entire time, so I I immediately drew it there. Um, But that was something too that he originally made it also think that it was possibly UFO connected. but at the same time, this he he even said like when he was describing this creature, he didn't see any technology. He didn't see he, he made a point of that. He's like, I didn't see any antennas, no breathing apparatus, no nothing. So <laughs> um he, he makes a point of that again in his in his affidavit. So um that was interesting. But basically afterwards, after this fact, after the, you watch this being dematerialize, uh the creature um was gone so he decides to head home he he wound up his arm which again started to hurt again and basically when he went home he didn't tell his parents about what happened and pretty much just said that he caught his arm in a briar bush um after this jennings um we were we were going through vietnam so jennings joined the war uh he became he was basically a army officer, but that then went into um, Air Force mechanics. Uh, while there, which gets into Bob Lazar territory, he <laughs> ended up getting um, a, jo- a job working for NASA during this time. Um, now, during now n- details on this, of course, he kept hush, and this kind of led when. Gray Barker was talking to him um, during their first in-person interview. He thought that maybe he was questioning him type of a deal about what he knew sort of a thing. Um, But let me rephrase that. Jennings was questioning Gray Barker about what he knew about a particular project known as the Avro Saucer, which was kind of our attempt to build a, a hovercraft sort of a deal that represent that looked sort of like the like the traditional flying saucer uh 
Hmm. And what happened was, is that during this time, Jennings, while working for NASA, came across a project. And we and we know this to be the case because um, certain people, he would say, would get sacked because of this information getting leaked out. He kept his he kept working for NASA for a little bit, but soon he was discharged. And um, while home, he would have visitations by men in black. The first one that he would experience, he was still living. He he moved back in with his um, his parents and his brother, Bill, was still living there at the time. Um, And he was sleeping um, in his room. He had his gun under his pillow um, in in his cot. And his brother was sleeping in uh, the living room. They had he could see his brother the entire time through the open doorway. Uh, during that night, he noticed some flashing outside, some red flashing, and his first thoughts were that was the furnace catching fire or something along those lines. So he was about ready to get up when suddenly he saw something come through the window. And inject him. And that (laughs) as he looks, he notices that there are three men wearing black turtleneck sweaters, black ski masks, and black pants coming through. Um, He also then soon noticed that one of these men took an object out of its out of his pocket about the size of an apple, threw it on the ground, and that some red smoke began to emanate through the house. Basically, or from what you can tell, knocking everybody out and making sure that they stayed asleep for this. Um, During that time, the men then started to pull out gas masks and they put one on Jennings as well as themselves. And Jennings could hear them talking to each other, saying things like, you know, the dogs have been darted, you know, and that the place is gas. And that he was pretty sure that one of them let out the name John. What what that means, or if that was one of the people, he's not sure. He also was pretty sure that there might have been a fourth one that was already in the house before these guys came in. Um, now, during this time, they began to ask him questions um, as he's in this sort of drugged out haze about what he thought the UFOs were what he knew about the UFOs, um, what he thought about the future, and what he also thought about time and space. And soon he passed out. What he what he answered to him never really was written or stated. But um, the following morning, everything seemed fine. Uh, his He asked his family about if they experienced anything weird, and everybody said no. Um, But that would be the start of a bunch of experiences that he would have. Um, Another one would be that these encounters would turn deadly, especially with cars that he would have. Um, Occasionally, there would be instances where tires or would go flat, belts would be cut, um, engines would be sabotaged, things like that. And it wouldn't just happen to him, but also people that he worked with. Um, one of the, the signed affidavits was a man by the name of Larney. And he too. Wait, 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 wait. What was the name? Larney. Larney. 
Not Barney. <laughs> no, Ernie. Larney. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a hell of a name right there. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm I'm trying to actually see if I can find him somehow and to talk to him about this. But um he he wrote a signed affidavit basically stating that he too has had men in black experiences and that these um individuals were also sabotaging his Volkswagen. So um and that occasionally it would have basically killed the two of them. Uh they had sent all this to Gray Barker, um pretty and that basically up to the time up up to about 76, these encounters were going on. Mm. Um after the fact, it's not clear. Um, but we do know that during that time, Jennings had started really digging into UFOs in the Rivesville area. Um, he was getting interviewed by uh, the Fairmont papers in the area about um, what, just being the local ufologist, what he thought about UFOs, things like that. Nothing really insightful. Um there was a couple different cases that he had got and looked into um, and even UFO photos, some of which that he had taken, which unfortunately they're not there. I'm wondering if um, I want, I'm, I'm planning on actually going down for a trip in July to the area. So I want to actually check out the um, Barker archives myself and see what they have in just if he has a folder for Rivesville in general because mm -hmm. that might hold more of um, the stuff that he's looked into. Um, it might have just got folded because like all of his letters and documentations were in this big Jennings Frederick folder, including like mentions of like Xerox copies of witness statements and cases and photos and things like that. But unfortunately, none were included in that. So I'm thinking it might have just got reorganized or put into um, a different folder or something like that. But um he had been collecting all this stuff in different witness cases. One of the UFOs that um, cases that I stumbled across that was written out was of somebody basically seeing a UFO about the size of an apple that got extremely close to a witness that was within arm's reach. Um, no other information on that, just basically a small flying object that got super close that he ended up writing about. Um but uh, during this time frame, he was very much talking to Barker almost month, almost weekly, it would seem, either writing or calling him. Um, there's literally about, I want to say, 15 to 20 letters that are saved in the span of like from 1975 to about 1978 mm. um, of them corresponding between each other. And... Um, there's a bunch of different things in them. Um, the UFO stuff is frequently in there and also talks about it. And um, it's from that that you realize that he was very much in like that group of ufologists at the time, that he was very much a friend. Um, there's references to Jim Mosley dropping by or calling frequently. Um, there's there's one interesting point. Like if you if you track down the uh the gray barker's newsletter that uh jennings frederick's story appears in there's a great section about jim mosley trying to uh become a member of mufon and they keep denying mm. 
mm-hmm. because Jim Mosley, you know, he uh, how how best to describe Jim Mosley? Jim Mosley was a skeptic. He's a skeptical believer in many ways. Like he believed in a lot of things, but he was very skeptical about the way uh, in which most cases were investigated and uh the determination on a lot of cases but uh you know according to those that were close to him he believed in a lot of different things uh but um if you want if you want a great read anybody you know listening to this episode go find yourself a copy of shockingly close to the truth by uh, (laughs) by him it's absolutely fantastic it's a great book oh yes yes um that's it's it's interesting because again like um one of the big problems with the Jennings Frederick story when it was later on um, released uh, is that they kind of removed like as much as the, the Steger story really got it out there to a lot of people like um, three alien meetings and monsters among us. And there was like two or more, two others um, I came across that actually mentioned it. They removed all the information that made it sound like Jennings Frederick was a real person. Because if this gets into the whole crux, unfortunately, of Gray Barker and this kind of group, you know, it's an important part of ufology. They are an important part of ufology, but they also at times were hoaxers. So and that Barker would also at times make stories more dramatic or make stories to fit his narrative or um, would write in a way that is more akin to creative expression to express his own thoughts and ideas and things along those lines. And um, also about himself, which is again, really cool. But at the same time, when you're looking at these cases as possible real occurrences, it's, it's really problematic then later on when you're trying to research them. So um, finding out that, so when they did that, they removed like the addresses and, you know, um, things along those lines, but finding finding out then that Jennings was real, it's a real person and not somebody that Barker concocted. And that you know he, even though he's in that group, um, he's still reaching out to other um, people that you could take more um, legitimate, like Clark and uh, mm. Keel and um. Or maybe legitimate's not the right word, but either way, um, still reaching out to these other ufologists and that he's writing different things and researching this stuff in this area. But again, he retained this lifelong friendship or not lifelong, but this uh, friendship with Barker. And it gets really intimate at times. Like there's a letter where it's like when Barker was really going through some financial troubles, like Jennings had offered to help like in any way possible. And that there's constantly this thing um, because later on in life, Barker kind of fell off the track a bit because of everything going on Um, that, you know, he wanted him to, to come with him to like, schools that had invited him to come and speak about ufos and things like that um and help out so it's very touching in that way too because he wanted to you know they were friends and things like that but um Hmm. so, so there's this so the letters are something that opened up a lot of different things uh with that as well as some other experiences one thing that um, he also wrote about in his letters is the f- that interestingly later on, 
adds into some other encounters and things is um, that he would dream about Veggie Man and that he would have these horrifying nightmares about him. Um, now, Mothboy Mike, um, when we were talking about this, had sent me um, – he had released the original image of Veggie Man. Um, and there was an interesting comment that was placed. A woman from Spencer, West Virginia – I um, he tried to follow this up, so I'm not sure around what time uh, – claimed to have also dreamt of Veggie Man. Um, and it was the same being that what she saw in the eyewitness sketch. Basically, there were some differences, but um, the being basically crawled through the floor in her bedroom through basically the under the underneath where there is fire and lava and that it also had a black robe on, not a hood, but just a robe, but everything else matched and that it would do this and just stare at her. Um, Jennings would Jennings would describe something similar of just this entity being there in his dreams, plaguing him. But on the flip side of that coin, he would also describe um, having dreams about saucers being manufactured, flying saucers being manufactured in a field of flowers on uh, some alien home world. So an assembly line with flying saucers going down it, but then just in a field. So. And he felt that these were more than just dreams and something worthwhile. Um, so when the that comet occurred, it immediately sent up sort of bells too, um, and also gets into kind of the whole. This might not be so traditional as what a lot of people would think it is, mm. too. Um, and then also, um, there's also Mac Tony's book which features the giant flower humanoid uh, yes. that occurs that occurs in the subterranean world that also uh the person experienced through a dream but felt was something more so yeah like uh if anybody gets their hands on a copy of the crypto terrestrials uh mike clellan did a great sketch of this where it's this giant plant that's sitting on a throne and there's this guy standing in front of him. Like it's, it's terrified. terrifying looking. And the small child just looking up. Yes. Yep. And, and, and interestingly enough, it looks like how people depict veggie man. Like if you've never mm -hmm. seen the eyewitness sketch, it looks just like how it is. And I, I'm not sure like when art, like how people started drawing veggie man came into like the public, you know, um, this is, how we view him mm -hmm. and when that sketch came out but I, I that that's something that also i have like a file where it's like similar cases and things kind of similar to it and that that photo is in there because of of just that um there's a lot of stuff when it comes to that when it uh with other cases that kind of look like veggie man or sort of are plant-like but not exactly um, the dream stuff, though, that that's kind of in its own category. There was another case of a Veggie Man type entity that actually is referred to as Veggie Man that appears in um, Monsters and Ghosts of West Virginia uh, by Aaron Turner and Isaac McKinn. I just had to look at the spine of the book. Actually, it's right here. But um, 
basically in that one of the authors, it's, it's never stated who, unfortunately, and I've been meaning to reach out, um, describes seeing a seven foot tall green humanoid in a sunflower field and that this being also has yellow eyes. Its hands end not in three fingered um, like uh, the, the suction cupped hands, but tendrils three like two fingered tendrils um and that there's an image of this and that basically it was watching her um before it ran away and that it basically looked like a seven foot tall plant stalk so another veggie man type entity also from west virginia so there's a lot of there's a lot and then there's also the uh a Puerto Rican case, which we were talking about a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Um, of, of an entity um that granted was smaller, but had the pointed ears, was green. They say that it's extremely slender, three-fingered hands, tried to grab uh, a witness both on the leg and um on the hand, uh, and actually lost its finger by being hit with a a, a branch apparently so hard that they that the witness uh knocked it off and that it bled green blood um and that it was about a foot tall not, but there was a, a craft connected to that case um so there's also um so there's a bunch of weird stuff that's kind of connected kind of not um but to get back to like the jennings frederick stuff um not much pretty much happened with Jennings. At least that was reported after that. It almost was like once Gray passed away, the communication and the preservation or his attempt to get things out there kind of stopped. Everything, um, which of course might not even truly be the case, something might be out there and it just wasn't actively as popular or not as distributed as much, but... Not as much. Um, seventy three uh, during the seventies was when UFO Review started advertising the cassette tape, which had all of his encounters on it. Um, I'm if somebody out there has that, please make that digital because there is so much on there that's just from the little blurb that's of cases that uh, and experiences that he's had that are not written about. Um. The, the they mention a hairy creature, which um something else that Jennings Frederick had attempted to do during this time was write a book. Um, and in fact, he actually stopped getting into super detail about his experiences because he wanted to write a book, which he was going to call Flying Saucer Omens. Mm. And we we know what the what the cover of that book was going to look like because he had actually sent a draft of the cover to gray barker um and it was a cover that he designed himself which featured all of the the beings that he encountered over the uh years so it had veggie man it had zarkon it had um the men in black it had several ufos it had the space devil it also had what looks like one of the bigfoot from the 73 ufo wave on it oh interesting so it has the pointed ears the big eyes um the fangs hairy uh the 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 only difference is that its nose is more slits than um the classical but that could also be because like the nose is pushed back like in the beach hills case or something along those lines um 
but so there's that too and he makes references to a ton of other things in letters um unfortunately the book was never published so again um but it's interesting because again it's that there's more to the story so i'm i've always wondered if the tape had more on there because it, it mentions the hairy creature but i wonder if there's even more stuff on there um after that things kind of went quiet nothing really is known about what he did during that time i know that or maybe he just decided to because during the time of uh when barker came to visit in 76 his daughter was two maybe he just took to being a father um because he did have several other children after that and then grandkids um so i have to wonder if um that's what occurred then too uh if he just decided to focus on that um and also i know in the 90s um his family start had started to pass away so it's family stuff i think also led to him just kind of declining into the ufo stuff a bit and also being such a presence mm. um and then that would continue until uh his death in 2012 um which is really a shame it's a shame um yeah i would have loved to have talked to him uh yeah just um i just want to read his obituary because uh it's um it's it's really interesting you're not going to get all the the weird stuff but um uh jennings harold skip frederick 62 of fairmont passed from this life on tuesday april 10th 2012 he was born on may 28th 1949 in fairmont uh, a son of the late jennings charles and iva jean toothman frederick he was a Methodist by faith. He was a veteran of the Vietnam War, having served in the U.S. Air Force as an airplane technician. He later served in the United States Army. Jennings was a 1967 graduate of uh, Rivesville High School and attended Fairmont State College. From a very young age, he had an artistic talent of being able to draw anything he saw. Skip, as he was well known, was an avid collector of natural artifacts. He loved art and science with a passion, collecting fossils, arrowheads, and many other geological treasures. Mr. Frederick is survived by his daughter, uh, Jennifer Dawn Frederick Moore of Fairmont, his son and daughter-in-law, Jennings Harold J. Jr., and Krista Frederick of Barackville, a granddaughter, Sierra Nicole Frederick, two sisters and brothers-in-law, uh, Carol Jean and Harold Sims, and then Linda Ann and Greg Kohler, and a brother and sister-in-law, William Charles and Beth Ann Frederick, all of Rivesville. A special uncle and aunt, Harold and Letty Toothman of Benton's Ferry, and a special cousin, Sharon Tracy, with whom he shared the same birthday. He is also survived by several special cousins nephews nieces and friends in addition to his parents skip was preceded in death by a son eric and grandson damian frederick intermittent in, interment will be in the west virginia national cemetery at grafton with full military honors a memorial service will be held at rivesville free methodist church blah 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 um the family would like to thank the Frey Home for Funerals in Rivesville, 
free Methodist Church for gracious help during this time of need, condolences, and such. Um, the kicker with at the end of this is that you can plant a tree in memory of, of Jennings Harold Frederick mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> through this memorial page. <laughs> uh the the irony just just yes. the irony that is there you know um but <laughs> it's just it's just yeah man who had the veggie man encounter plant a tree to honor his memory <laughs> yep there's actually to add on to that in the 1964 Rivesville high school yearbook hmm. jennings frederick was treasurer Okay, so all of the all all of the the fat like the members of the student body that were you know like the the treasurer and all I don't I don't know the exact term, but he was it, it was all women except for him and he was in a tree, basically chased up the tree. So again, adding adding to that, um, that's <laughs> one of the only photos of him that I've been able to find except for in the sixty six yearbook. Um, there's there's a photo of him, uh, a classic one, because the other Rivesville yearbooks, is, at least that I can find, haven't been digitized yet. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's that's something too. So this the tree thing has always been there, um, but yeah, it's a it's a real shame uh, to say the least that nobody's it seems has talked to this guy before he passed, and there's so much, so many stories and things that. And encounters that he had that it's now either lost to 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 some extent or um there's it's just in a place that's so obscure that it's just gonna require a lot of digging um I had reached out to the family um through Facebook messenger um I did not get a response. Um, but I know like with things like this, sometimes people don't want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, you know, just out of respect type of a deal. I didn't want to be like, Hey, you know, being super kind of creepy with that. It just kind of was like, listen, you know, I'd like to get the story out. Um, but, um, you know, his brother, Bill might still be alive. Um, I have not found a way to contact him. Um, but, uh, uh, basically, and right now it's been more of just what I can dig up on my own. Um, Heather Mosher, uh, from, uh, small town monsters had actually put me on to, uh, his, his father through, because she found a picture, which he originally thought was, um, him. And I wasn't sure. So, uh, I, it, she found it through ancestry. So she sent me uh, a picture of that and a woman who I thought might've been, his wife, because I have never seen a picture of what Jennings's wife looks like. Um, and I, but um, here, no, it actually was his father and actually a picture of who I believe was Jennings's mother because they were about the same age in the photo. But again, it's one of those things. It's so difficult mm -hmm. to tell. Um, and uh, I've been finding all this interesting stuff about um, his father who, who came to America in um a very young age uh he was born in 1922 in norway um and that 
from basically most of his life, he's lived in the area of um, Rivesville. Uh, they moved around quite frequently to like some of the other nearby towns like Paw Paw, um, but it's always been Marion County. Um, and then during World War II, he fought World War II, um, the age of uh, 21. Um, his draft cards on there, uh, which he went to Clarksville, Clarksburg for to get drafted. Um, uh, Iva was from uh, Ohio, uh, Akron. So there's uh, that was interesting because she's actually more easily researchable um, on there as opposed to um, uh, his father. But um, it raises uh, a little bit of um, a question, too, because I've wondered if um, since Veggie Man is more um, even though it's he uh, Jennings connects it with UFOs and things along those lines, there's something about it that makes me wonder if there's something more esoteric about it. Mm -hmm. And that deals with the fact that um, when you're looking at the fact that his family is from Norway, there is this tradition of things moving um, with families. Um, when there's there's a case that um, I wrote about ca called the uh, Trolls of Sorensen's Woods, which is a Minnesota um, case and that uh, Brad Steger had covered in one of his books. And the basically what the, the 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 blunt of that story was is that people were seeing trolls um in an area of uh, a town that basically was founded by people um who moved from the Scandinavia region. And mm -hmm. that these and that there was no history of these trolls appearing beforehand or um, until these people moved there. Um and we see this time and time again, whenever people of a different um culture move somewhere else, these entities or these legends seem to follow. So I almost wonder if there is something to that, because when you're looking at how even Veggie Man is, it's very similar to um, what we mentioned, the Anjarvi elf with the with how it's built. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just the fact that, you know, it's not carrying a camera. It's not carrying, uh, you know, a dunce cap or wearing a dunce cap. And it's not wearing like a green suit. Um, it's just it's it's more fleshy like that. And in, you know, Norway and Sweden and areas like that, there are the troll legends and trolls appear, you know, just ugly, monstrous forms. Um, I've never heard of a legend of a troll sucking blood out through its fingers, but right. um it's it's one of those things where maybe there's something there too or maybe it's something along those lines or maybe perhaps the family has a history of this sort of stuff since you know the space devil occurred um to his appeared to his mother and yet all this other stuff's happening to, to jennings um so it, it's interesting that uh all this stuff is happening especially just little things that I'm taking notes on. Um, if it, it could mean nothing, it could mean possibly something or more history or a more connection. But um, again, there's still a lot that I'm currently researching and trying to find out about this case. So um, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll add, I'll add a little bit to, to the whole 
Norwegian side of things. So uh, on this podcast, I've talked about my like quote unquote gnome sighting when I was six years old. I, I have told the story many times. If you listen to even the uh, episode I just did with Mike Clellan recently, um, one of the things that um, I was telling the story on Astonishing Legends a couple years ago during their holiday special and. I'd never really researched it. It it, it was just like this weird thing from my childhood. And it was uh, Scott Philbrook from Astonishing Legends. He's like, have you ever heard of the Nisser? And I'm like, kind of sounds familiar, but it didn't make sense. I didn't really click at the time. And it's like, well, there are these Norwegian gnomes that sometimes they pop up around Christmas time. So maybe that's what that was and the kicker is is that my family my fault from my father's side is from norway so um could be something about norwegians and scandinavians bringing something over on those ships i don't know maybe it's possible maybe my grandfather brought it over um with him um my grandfather his name was talif and talif is basically another um when i looked it up it's basically it's basically means the same thing as Thor. So okay, yeah. So like, there's there's a lot of you know legend steeped in, steeped in the family. You know, uh, I kind of wish I kind of wish I had Thor, like I was Thor, but I'm not, sadly. But uh, you know, uh, it's just uh, it's just one of the family things. But um, again, there could be something to that idea that. Maybe sometimes when people come over here, they do bring something with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and that and that would just explain like the the mass amount of just weirdness and the range of weirdness in general. Because it's like you know you hear about like um, a lot of you hear about like abductees sometimes having that too, where it's like the family line mm-hmm. in general or. Um, and usually it's uniform in some way or another, whereas this is just kind of like hyper weirdness, all concentrated on one thing. Um, in some ways, it reminds me his story reminds me a bit of like David Huggins in some elements, but then at the same time, but you know, obviously not the sexual stuff, but right, the, the, uh, the because that's that's a veggie man experience I do not want to see, but no, um, nobody needs that veggie no. man experience depicted a- at any point. By no, nope. uh, nope. I don't like my I don't need my mind racing with with Gene <laughs> the Plantier sketches of that happening. <laughs> no, even though, even though how it's the depi- Gene de Plantier's is almost like. Jennings is like swooning into Veggie Man's arms yes. a little bit. So <laughs> that's a so, fair point. <laughs> so don't worry, you're falling for me. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it, it makes me laugh so hard seeing that too, especially because. Uh, but um, yeah. It's it's one of those things too, like with even like the hairy creature thing. It's like David Huggins, um, the mm-hmm. the 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 collecting arrowheads things. David Huggins. It, uh, yeah. Um, so it's it's like again, we it's so difficult. We will we'll probably never know with some of this stuff. Um, yeah. that's it, unless I can unless like one of the family comes forward and wants to kind of talk about it. 
and some stuff, maybe, but, um, or maybe, you know, if there's more out there that's just written by super obscure, but from what I can tell, it's just kind of throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping something sticks. But pretty much that's about it with that's with everything that's out there right now, currently that's available. Um, like I said, I'm hoping I'm going to be planning a trip down there to go. And um, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I found actually where the, the official farmhouse is because uh, where the encounters took place because Royal route um, in Rivesville is not um, popping up anywhere, but mm. there's a Royal route um, in Fairmont um that's there and so um like i said i'm planning on going down late july and going to go check out some some of the stuff down there and hoping that maybe talk to a um see if there's a historical society something like that check out the area see if there's anything else weird because um and go to the uh, Barker archive, check that check Rivesville out in general, because um, I recently got a book um, by Michael Newton um, and it's part of his uh, strange state monster series that he did. Um, and it's the West Virginia one. And Rivesville did have um, some giant skeletons that were dug up at one point. So I'm wondering if there might actually be even more weirdness aside from mm. like, like this area is just a, super concentrated weirdness area in general um because there is there's been ufo stuff uh obviously there's veggie man there and the, the men in black all that stuff um it just doesn't seem to be as um not like a major flap or nothing just just an area of weirdness um but so that's something that i'd be interested in seeing when i'm down there just how it is but this will be like my first official trip to the area coming up um so hopefully that'll give me some more info or maybe if i even run into the family or something i might have more but uh again it's all just a matter of time and we'll see but if there are people that have information and they want to get it to you how's the what's the best way to get in contact with you to give you more of that Jennings Frederick veggie man goodness um you can get a hold of me on uh Instagram uh at Cole Herald researcher um you can find me on Facebook uh I'm there um if anybody's going to be in the area um in Johnstown and August 26th, I'm going to be at Squonkapalooza. Uh, I'll be at the sitting at the Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devils Reese table. Um, so come say hi, you know, or if you got any information there, you can, um, I'll, I'll be more than happy to talk to you there. Um, I also have the New World Explorer Society uh, Facebook page. So if you want to reach out there, you can. Um, and that's about it there. So, yeah. Uh, and hey, if you've got that tape, we're we're dying to hear what's yeah. on that tape. We really want to hear what's on that tape. So if there's anybody who can uh, hook us up with a copy of that tape or digitize or whatever, yeah. get a hold of Cole. Like we we oh, need to know what's on definitely. this tape because there could be, you know, stories we just haven't heard before. And I, there has to be some stories that we haven't heard before. And 
Um, this is just like a wonderful story that's continuing to unfold more and more and more and more. And hopefully we get the complete total picture uh, coming up in the future. Thank you, Cole, for coming on the pod and telling this wild ass story, man, because it is absolutely just wild. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for having me. You know, it's always a blast. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the show, so it's just awesome always be just being here. But um, and I'm and, you know, I, I just love telling this story. I love getting it out there. Um, you know, it's it's really been kind of a mission to just try to get his story out there as much because mm -hmm. I feel like in many ways he was kind of slighted a little bit. Uh, yeah. just it you know that's kind of why when i wrote the most up-to-date article on what i had found I, I literally called it an unsung 14 hero um mm -hmm. because it's it's or not hero legend because i'm like there is so much that he experienced and talked about and that he was like involved with all these major ufologists and players and it's just wild to me that nobody was nobody's really talking about him i get it you know the draw is veggie man but still um it's wild mm. wild it it is it is absolutely one of the craziest stories that you'll ever hear connected to ufos and like you know whatever the veggie man was like stare at that drawing for a few seconds if you have uh mystery lifetimes or uh, uh, time life's mysteries of the unknown flip to flip to page 69 nice <laughs> and you will see the veggie man right oh, yeah. he's pretty much right smack dab in the middle of the page uh just staring at you looking looks goofy as all hell like here's the thing like when you look at all the sketches on here, and I'm familiar with all the cases that are covered. So you got page 68, which uh, uh, 68 has um, these. I remember in Leonard Stringfield's um, status reports on uh, crashed UFOs. There's this one alien who looks like he's frowning big time. He's just like, you know, like pissed the fuck mm -hmm. off and just like why that like the, the the epitome of an alien that's like, I can't believe you're sketching me right now. I hate you so much. You have the um Kelly Hopkinsville goblins, you have that one I forget who the heck that one woman's name was. She's a British woman who ended up seeing this female alien that looks like a gray that's wearing this like immaculate this immaculate hair this oh, is yeah, stunning yeah, outfit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like it looks almost like her hair is on fire in many ways mm -hmm. but um yeah you've got uh the pascagoula alien uh you've got the um the mince pie aliens mm -hmm. uh fairy aliens you've got the tiny malaysian humanoids from the 70s and then Smack dab at the bottom of the middle of the page, you got Veggie Man looking goofy as all hell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, just like um, if you've if you've enjoyed this uh, this episode, uh, go follow along with Cole's work. It's great. the The articles that he writes is, are fantastic, and uh, you know, like uh, s supporting 
supporting people that are doing that are out in the field doing the work is important so um yeah go support cole uh his work is absolutely tremendous and uh if you want to support us head on over to our strange you can find links to everything you know like patreon social media all that stuff uh if you're interested in comics we've got welcome ufo people which uh you can find twitter instagram we're out there you want to buy prints create magic studios.com you can find them there uh this um this podcast is a production of duvid media uh special thanks to floats for the use of their song ufo as the theme song for this podcast uh special thanks to megan lagerberg for uh designing our logo to the great desdemona for our t-shirt designs and to spencer worth davis who is the man behind the curtain for this podcast and finally don't forget to look up because you never know what you'll find in our strange skies or in your backyard in west virginia in gray we trust Media.